0: 9 at WCPF Radio. I'm Tom Kearney, and this is the Tom Kearney Show. We're here every night, Monday through Friday, from 9 to 10, with a little bit of in-real-time radio, and we try to bring you programs that uh, are entertaining and also educational. And You end up learning something. We all end up learning something, and I'm really expecting to learn a lot tonight. One of the nice things uh, about some on this show is I get to visit with my very own brother, Stephen Kearney, and he'll be our guest tonight. We'll talk with him in just a moment. Uh, He's going to be talking tonight uh, about something to fulfill uh, our desire to commemorate uh, the fact that uh, March is Women's History Month, and something that that, uh, maybe we can contribute that other people may not is a special topic, and that is uh, since Stephen knows a lot about uh, the entertainment industry and so on, and I know a little bit, too, we can talk about the uh, experience. changes that have been made in the expansion of the role, the more inclusiveness of of the role of women in films. And we're not talking about movie stars now. There may be some movie stars involved, but we're talking about, about most people who produce the movies, who own the movies, who write the movies, who direct the movies, and those kinds of things, all of that. So it's it's uh, uh, here on the uh, the second day of March, it's the uh, uh, Women's History Month It's Kearney is going to be our guest, and that's what he's going to be talking about tonight. Stephen, are you there?
1: Tom, I'm here.
0: How are you tonight? I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I hope you are. I hope I gave a uh, an appropriate introduction to yourself and, and what we're about tonight. And if you find it disagreeable anyway, feel free to straighten me out here because uh, I'm going to be interested to learn what we know tonight. Uh, uh, I think you when you and I did our preliminary discussion about this, I, I could think of one woman. Uh, who I knew was a, g- a great contributor and one of the leaders in the, in uh, uh, involvement in film, particularly behind the camera. Although she'd been an outstanding actress uh, back in the 1940s and 50s, and that was a woman named Ida Lupino. And uh, but uh, so that's what, about what I knew, and whatever else I learned, I'm going to learn from you tonight. So I look forward to to what you have to say. Stephen Kearney is our guest, and we're commemorating. Women's History Month in March of 2021. Stephen, where do you want to start with this? And maybe I'll give it a little bit.
1: Uh, Well, Tom, I want to begin by just starting tonight and saying that uh, women are involved and have been involved in the film industry in all roles. We're talking about as actresses, directors, uh, cinematographers, film producers, and film critics. Um, This has been for about the 100-plus years that uh, films have been made. Um, I think it's probably about 105 or 110 years worth of filmmaking films here, and uh, they have during this period of time, however, been unrepresented in these various uh, positions, leading it to be called uh, a sort of celluloid ceiling for women over the years. Uh, for instance, and these figures come from 2013 and 2015, which are the most recent years, um, Women are accounted for a small percentage of directors, executive producers, writers, cinematographers, and editors. There's no change from a previous uh, accounting in 2011 and only a 1% increase from 1998. Uh, There's only uh, only 15% of the top films in 2013 had a woman for the lead acting role. And uh, the, the uh, films of uh, the top 100, top-grossing films of 2015 uh, just 21 of the top 100 of 2014 to 15 featured a female leader co-lead. So, Tom, there have been uh, some disparities, some gaps, if you will. Uh, women are uh, and have been un- underpaid. Tom paid less than male actors uh, in lead roles and supporting roles. However, uh, by way of looking at the history of women in film and to commemorate uh, the Women's History Month and to honor it. We're going to look at the accomplishments of a number of women tonight that have been about breaking and knocking down the obstacles, uh, as you said earlier, not just actors and actresses, excuse me, not just actresses, but also those behind the scenes involved with writing, producing, directing. Cinematography is something that nobody really knows what that's about, unless you're a cinematographer. But basically, it's about how something's filmed, As well as the writing of music. So, Tom, we're going to be looking at a number of women throughout history in film that have made a real difference as a way of commemorating one's
0: history. Okay, well, where do we start? I'm afraid my mind already always thinks about chronology, about being chronological. I guess it's because I think sort of think historically, and that is, I would say, uh, do we go back to the 1920s? I mean, I can think of somebody in the 20s who played a lot of those roles that's just come to mind. You've inspired my mind to for a few light bulbs to go out. But where, where do we begin with this?
1: Well, I want to say that these fronts we've been talking about that needed attention in terms of having more women be involved. There are a lot of women out there who are, are attempting or making efforts to overcome these obstacles, Tom. But I would like for you to talk about your one from the 1920s. I want to begin with a lady who became prominent in the 1930s and uh, talk about something that she did, which was groundbreaking and sort of paved the role in a legal sense, Tom, for many actresses uh, that came thereafter. But tell me about your person from the 1920s. I have right. an idea who it might be, but I'd like to hear.
0: It may be the same person, but I think one of the, the first women that I can think of who was, became a star in front of the camera at a relatively young age, but as she matured, uh, she and her husband, uh, I think uh, I'm trying to think uh, uh, what his name was, but the woman I'm thinking of is Mary Pickford, who uh, who got involved in uh, not only acting in her films, but in directing them and managing and producing them, in, in effect, and was one of the founders of the studio known as United Artists. I think there were four major... Big time stars, and Mary Pinkford was about as big as you could be, uh, say, around 1918, 1920, 1921. I think United Artists was founded in 1919, but but I think you may can help me. There were four stars who were involved, and I think uh, Douglas Fairbanks was one of them. I think that was her husband, and I think, I think Donnie Mary Chapman Kirkford was Fairbanks. involved. Pardon me? Mary Pickford's husband was
1: Douglas Fairbanks, and so that's two of them. Uh, the name sort of gives it away, Tom, the, uh, the studio or producing company, United Artists, or I think a group of four artists, and you've named, I think, three of them. i got to be honest, I can't remember the fourth one.
0: I can't remember the fourth one either, but we can look that up. That's, that's something that can be easily looked up. If you agree with me that Mary Pigford, uh, from your research, belongs in the group that we're talking about tonight, that, that she, she she held her own with, with the big dogs, so to speak. Uh, in terms of controlling her destiny and and, and producing the films and, uh, that she was involved in, and, and if not directing them, then having something to say about who did direct them.
1: Well, Tom, uh, it's a situation, as we said, even as late as 2013, 2014, 2015, there was still a, dearth, a, a, a gap in the number of women that were involved in the creative and, and productive roles associated with film. But when you got somebody back in the 20s like Mary Pickford, you're talking about real uh, pioneers and groundbreakers who stand up and on their own were taking on the creative responsibilities to put a product out there for the viewing public.
0: Now I want to know who your your person from the 30s was. I named my person, and you said you had a, a nominee from the 30s that would yeah.
1: we're going to move. Through, and, and by the way, Tom, often when you're talking about history, chronology and a chronological approach works because you're Going back in time and coming
0: to the present. Which is okay, the uh, let me stop you now. You've been, you and I have been doing this for a long time, and you know what a tease is. Right. And, and what we've set up is that you have something that you're going to talk about, and it's, it's coming, and it's time to talk about it. Let's take a break and say so when we come back, we'll find out who Stevens' nominee from the 1930s is. Is that okay? Sounds good, Don. Okay, right after this break. About the entertainment industry the and its uh, history, he represents us tonight in talking about the history of uh, women in film, and uh, not not just in front of the camera, but behind the camera. And this is partly uh, part of our effort to recognize that March is Women's History Month. And just before we went away, he was going to tell us about uh, a significant figure that he had. I've done some research on from the 1930s. Stephen, are you ready?
1: I'm ready, Tom, and what I'm going to be talking about is the actress Olivia de Havilland. She just passed away last year, Tom. I think it was in the middle of the summer at age 104, and I was always cheering her on for each year that she had. And, Tom, she she did something sort of behind the, the camera or, or off the camera that was exceedingly important. She took Warner Brothers to court. Uh, we're, we're talking about the actress that played Melanie in Gone with the Wind, for which she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress.
0: She had been, I
1: mean, really other, one for that, but she had five Oscar nominations during her career. Uh, one was for Supporting Actress, the other four for Best Actress. She won twice, Tom. And she took on the studio system, Tom, and you probably have heard about that at some point. At one point, uh, the studios, uh, the big studios, in this case Warner Brothers, essentially owned its actors like, uh, like property or like cattle and uh, tied them up or bound them to long-term contracts in which they did not have a lot of freedom to choose their own properties or act in the roles they, in which they wished to act. Well, Mr. Haviland was a very smart lady, and she decided she didn't like that. She had signed a seven-year contract with Warner Brothers, and uh, they would offer her some movies that she didn't like, and so she turned them down. Uh, as a result, Warner Brothers suspended her for a while, Tom, and when she finally fulfilled the seven-year period of time, thereby freeing her to uh, to sign on with another studio or, or to do other projects, uh, Warner Brothers uh, tacked on another six months onto her, her contract, saying that that was the time that she had been suspended for and that she owed to them. Well, Tom, in 1943, she filed a lawsuit seeking a declaratory judgment, meaning seeking that the court determined that she was no longer bound by that contract and that she was therefore free to, uh, after her contract was performed, to, uh, to seek any work she may wish to do. Well, Tom, the uh, California courts and the uh, California appellate courts found in her favor, and the decision is one of the most significant and far-reaching legal rulings in Hollywood history. It reduced the power of the studios and extended greater creative freedom to all performers, male and female, black and white. Uh, the seven-year rule therefore came into play, and uh, Mr. Haviland has got a law named after her now, and that's the to Law. Well, one of those kind of got back at her, Tom. They sent a letter around to the other studios, and as a result, he didn't enforce the seven years. Here is a pioneer that took on the system and won and
0: one for all actors and actresses, not just the female ones. Well, that's a, that, I was not really aware of that. I knew that she had backed off from the studio, so that's that's a significant thing, and one of the things that you've touched on is something we ought to spend some time talking about one night, and that is that the movie industry in America was controlled by basically seven big studios. Uh, some of them were bigger than others. Uh, Warner Brothers and MGM, I think, were the, were the majors, and or maybe a couple of others, and there were some minors. And then if you were really uh, bad, they would send you to the minor leagues and you would make pictures for Republic or Monogram or something like that. And uh, I mean, it really was like baseball in that respect. But your whole life was controlled, in, including who you could go out with, who you could date if you were a younger. A lot of the stuff that was in you know, movie magazines was made-up stuff to, to promote the, the stars. But anyway, you a good point made with Olivia de Havilland, it's going to take a while before we get to the kind of situation we've got today, where where everything is, uh, not everything, but uh, to a great extent is initiated by the people who want to produce films, and they're not controlled by the studios. That that in fact will exist and maybe help them distribute the movies. But excellent, uh, a check mark for Stephen on that one. Good,
1: Tom. The next lady we're going to do, is we're going to come up to the 1940s and 50s, Tom, and. And you had actually suggested this when I had had known about her, but you had sort of pointed me in the right direction, and the lady I'm talking about is Ida Lupino. She's a very pretty, uh, sultry actress from primarily the late 40s and 50s, and uh, she uh, is, further Tom, uh, for, for our purposes tonight, regarded widely as one of the most prominent female filmmakers working in the 1950s, During the Hollywood studio system that you talked about, the system didn't go away that that long ago, Tom. It's all began to go away in the 60s and 70s. And as you said, that's the topic for another night. Uh, But Miss Lupina had her own independent production company, Tom. She co-wrote and co-produced several social message films and is the first woman to direct a film noir, Tom. You know what that is. Uh, A movie called The Hitchhiker in 1953. She made 59 films. She really didn't enjoy being an actress. She really wanted to be behind the camera. She directed eight other films. She directed more than 100 episodes of television. And, Tom, this is a biggie for me and maybe even for you. She is the only woman to direct an episode of the original Twilight Zone and starred in another episode of Twilight Zone. And she's the one who uh, was one of the first ones to use. This is big for people who are putting money up for films, Tom. She's one of the first uh, directors and producers to use what's known as product placement, which is where you have a a prominent seller company and you might put their can or their bottle out where
0: the moviegoer can see it. Um, You may have Uh, run across the same, same quote, Stephen. Uh, in, this, in this particular area that you're talking about, I found one where Richard Boone, who was a prominent actor, this is the time that he was in Have Gun, Will Travel, but was also in a lot of, of uh, pretty good movies, and he said that uh, Miss Lupino really really uh, helped him learn how to act and brought out the best parts of his acting, so that, that's, a, that's a tribute, I think,
1: right there, too. Yeah, so we're talking about, again, Tom, these are women that... Uh They didn't see the the fact that men men were dominating certain areas as being obstacles that they could not uh, uh, surmount or overcome. They were going to do what they thought was right from a creative and productive sense. And as a result, we have all benefited. Uh, Time to go about four minutes before we have our bottom of the hour break. Then with our next young lady, our next lady, if you wish, we can hold off and do that at the start of the next hour.
0: Well, no, go ahead. Go, go go right ahead. Go forward so right. we can use our time as efficiently as possible.
1: All right, Tom. Uh, Jenny Foster would be my next uh, subject here. And I think everybody sort of knows who Jenny Foster is. She was the sister of one Betty Foster, and she made her debut, Tom, on an episode of Mayberry RFD. Made her debut as an actress. She had been a model. She made her debut in 1968, and uh, she went on, Tom, to... To do a number of films that have been famous for a number of reasons. She was in Taxi Driver Tom, and uh, she was in, I think, the original Freaky Friday. But Tom Jenny Foster is an actor, actress, director, and producer. She's won two Academy Awards, one in 1988 for The Accused, and one in 1991, perhaps her most famous role, Balance of Lamb. Uh, she has also been uh, given three BAFTA Awards, that's the British Academy. Uh, British, uh Arts and Film Academy. She's won three gold, Golden Globes. Uh, she has uh, been one of the only 16 women to win um, the Cecil B. DeMille Award, Tom, which is Outstanding Contributions to the World of Entertainment. Uh, She's been nominated as director for a Primetime Emmy Award uh, in 20, the years 2010 to 2010s. The 2010s she directed two films and episodes for the Netflix television series. In 1991, she directed her first movie called Little Man Tate. formed her own production company called Egg Productions, and she also produced and starred in the movie Mel, which was filmed here in North Carolina, Tom, in Robbinsville in the city of Charlotte. She played the title role as an interesting movie, Tom. And most recently, she, in fact, so recently that it was Sunday night, she won a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress uh, in a movie in which she played the lawyer of a, a prisoner detained in Guantanamo. Uh, She's directed episodes of or- Orange is the New Black, House of Cards, and Black Mirror. Uh, this is a dude all lady, Tom, who's been in uh, film since the 60s and uh, does not see any obstacles that she can't handle.
0: You said you won the Golden Globe Award just uh, two days ago then, so I... I yeah, the uh,
1: film was the moral poem. Uh, okay. He's a lawyer who represents a person who's been detained in Guantanamo without being charged and uh, without any idea when he's going to come to trial or even for that matter possibly be released.
0: We, and, need, uh, to, we need to pause here, Stephen, so we'll come back and rejoin because I want to mention a movie that you mentioned to me that she's in that I want to recommend to our audience. But right now we need to stop because we're coming up right on 9.30 and that means that's the part we're going to need to check the news. We're talking about movies and women in the movies and we'll be back right after this. 9.33 is on the radio. Time on a Tuesday night. It is March the 2nd. And, uh, this is the place in our shows night when we usually do a little promoing, and tomorrow night, Wednesday night, uh, Austin Maddox will be here for Maddox Coins and Stamps to talk about Numismatics and philately. and if you wonder, what is that? Well, you'll have to tune in tomorrow night to find out, or you could go to your dictionary, Numismatics and philately. but that's tomorrow night with Austin Maddox between 9 and 10. Nostalgia Night on Thursday night and Friday night will be Friday Night Trivia, and it'll be general potpourri trivia, as far as I know, this Friday night. Uh, tonight we're talking with Stephen Kearney, who enjoys keeping up with entertainment news and uh, knows a lot about it, and so we've invited him to talk a little bit about women in the movies and the strides that women have made in becoming more inclusive in the leadership of the movie industry over, over time. And uh, when we went away, we were talking... Uh, he was, the, Stephen was talking mostly because he's the brain to this outfit, but about Judy Foster. And I wanted to say that he had told me, Stephen, my my brother, had told me of a movie that he thought I ought to watch, uh, which is a movie that Judy Foster starred in, and it is a movie called Contact. And I, I think I could recommend that to most people. You, you you had a good choice, Stephen. And with that, I will hand it back to you in your discussion of of Judy Foster, or you may be at a point of moving on to someone else now.
1: Well, we're going to move on fairly quickly, Tom. We have, this is a lot of information to cover. I want to try to cover as much as we can. I, I note about the movie you just mentioned, Contact. Uh, you had once said to me that the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind was a, you thought, an intelligent uh, treatment of the topic. In other words, first contact with an alien uh, culture. If it was, I think you said to me something like, it would probably happen like that if it was going to happen. And uh, the reason I referred contact to you because it's a very intelligently written, produced, and presented film is that's another way of looking at the same question.
0: Right, and I, I enjoyed it. And John found out that John Robert Zemeckis, who's a well-known director, directed it. And uh, but uh, I, uh, but we'll we'll talk about this old topic again some other night about you know about close encounters of the third kind and whether that is the way that it will happen. But uh, I want you to get all your stuff in, because I know you've done a lot of research for this. So thanks for taking a note of that.
1: Tom, the next lady I'd like to talk about is a lady named Catherine Bigelow. Miss Bigelow was married at one time to a man named James Cameron, and that probably is familiar to our listeners, Tom, as the man behind the Terminator, Tom, and uh, also behind the movie Titanic. Uh, he's a very important filmmaker. He's made one of the top question films of all time. So we're here tonight to talk about Catherine Bigelow. Ms. Bigelow is an American film director, producer, and writer. She's made films as Barry, from one about vampires called Near Dark, which is a really good movie, Tom, to one about uh, surfers known in the movie Point Break. She made the movie about uh, the first Soviet nuclear submarine and the perils of uh, participating in that. But, Tom, in 2009, she made a movie called The Hurt Locker. And then she, as a result, she became, and when I say made, she was the director. She became the first and only woman to win the Academy Award for Best Director. Uh, The movie Hurt Locker is about an Iraq War Explosive Ordnance Disposal Unit who is uh, being beset upon by the insurgents around in that area and it talks about how that affects them as well as the psychological effect of basically Tom uh, living their life and death all the time because you're taking care of an exploded bomb. Tom, she was included in 2010 Time Magazine's 100 list of most influential people of that year. Again, she won the Oscar for Best Director. She won the Director's Guild of America for Outstanding Directing, the BAFTA Best Direction Award, the Critics' Choice Movie Award for Best Director, and she won Tom for another movie, the first Saturn Award for a woman uh, for the movie Strange Day. Uh, Catherine Bickelode, again, uh, certainly a pioneer in that she's today, Tom, to 2021, the first and only woman to have been named Best Director.
0: I don't, didn't remember that, but I will tell you that your predecessor, George, George Brody, who is no longer with us, uh, he he thought that was a very good movie, and he was. Uh, I remember him coming into the studio one one Friday night and saying that, that this is this is a movie that's going to do well, but
1: Tom, it um, is not a lighthearted hearted movie.
0: No, 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 it is not, and it's a war that's still going on. So,
1: Tom, the the next person on our list, and one of the things in, to, to, that's important to mention here, Tom, is. Uh, the effect that a person has, and in this case women, have on filmmaking is uh, sometimes directly related to how much money these movies made because at the end of the day, Tom, as you and I have said many times, it's about money. And uh, several of the women we're going to talk about next are involved in very, very successful movies. Uh, the first one I would mention to you, Tom, is the movie, woman Patty Jenkins. She's a film director, producer, and screenwriter. She's written and directed movies and television. She directed the movie Monster, which uh, was listed uh, listed Tom in the American Film Institute's Top Ten Films of 2003. Uh, she was uh, given the Independent Spirit Award for Best first, female, first Feature. And this was a movie with Therese de and won the Best Actress Oscar. Uh, Tom, she was the director for Wonder Woman which was the biggest domestic opening for a film uh, for a female director of all time she's the first female director of an American studio superhero movie and tom i uh, when she was able to negotiate for the second one-to-one movie essentially the same amount that would be paid to any of the top male directors so i give you tom patty jenkins okay
0: I was going to ask you. but the, She won the awards and stuff for the first Wonder Woman, and then the, the second Wonder Woman, the sequel, has just come out not too long ago. Isn't that great?
1: Right, and what's notable about that is is that it was uh, one of the, I think it may have been the first, but it was the first one that was originally slated, and this has to do with the coronavirus, the pandemic. It was slated to have uh, debuted in movie theaters on the brick and mortar, as we've said. pandemic and its effects, it had to be moved back several times. And finally, Tom, what they did with it was that they debuted it on Christmas Day in both uh, the movie theaters, the ones that are open, and HBO Max, which is how several movies are being done these days.
0: Okay, and in fact, you've kept us abreast of that. We've had a couple of programs on that. Okay, now let's go to the next one here, because it's, uh, let's see what the time is. It's 9- one, we can probably do one more before we take our break.
1: Tom, uh, Fran Walsh is the next lady that I want to talk about. She is the partner of one, Peter Jackson. But Tom, she is important uh, because she's is, is multi dimensional. And in one single year, she got an Oscar for Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, so she served as a producer for the picture, co producer, if you will, Best Adapted Screenplay. She helped write it. And Tom, She's a lyricist, so she wrote, wrote Best Original Song. This was for the movie Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, one of three movies, Tom, the one won 11 Oscar. She's a screenwriter, film producer, and lyricist. And she won all of those uh, back in uh,
0: 2000, and I think it's 2003, Tom. Uh, Is that, which piece of, which piece of the Lord of the Rings was that? There are three pieces, aren't there? Was that the last one, or the?
1: It, that is the last film. Uh the thing about the Lord of the Rings, she was involved in the production, direction and writing of all of them. But the one that won the eleven movies was the third one. Okay. Uh, sometimes people say, Tom, that the the third one is kind of a, a career achievement award because uh for many years they didn't think that anybody could film the Lord of the Rings. But Peter Jackson uh and uh, Miss Walsh and they have one other co producer, they did a really good job with this movie and and in 2003, Tom, 11 Oscars. The only other two films to reach that high are been Her and Titanic. Okay, excellent,
0: excellent. Uh, we, we probably could do one more. Uh... Yeah,
1: I'm going to be a little shorter on some of these others, Tom. Uh, uh, Catherine Hardwick is known for making uh, different kinds of movies, very stylish type of movies, and, uh, Tom, she made the movie Twilight, and uh, her films, Tom, have had a cumulative total, made a cumulative total of $551.8 million worldwide. Sometimes the way to overcome the obstacles that you face is make a lot of money. Uh, I could do one more for you, Tom. I think we should. Sophia Coppola, the daughter of Francis Ford Cop- Coppola, I should say, she made a film called Lost in Translation. It was called Johansson and Bill Murray. Uh, this was back in 2003, and Tommy grossed over $119 million. So, once again, women as creative forces have made a difference in the modern cinema.
0: More on women in movies for Women's History Month right after this. Tonight on Thursday night and Friday night will be Trivia Night tonight. We're, starting, uh, we're going to have at least one other program along these lines uh, this month commemorating a Women's History Month. Uh, and on this March 2nd, Stephen Kearney is our guest, and we're talking about... Women in the, the, the film industry in Hollywood, not, not just people in front of the camera, in fact, mostly not those, but in fact, those who control the process of making uh, films, uh, producing, cinematography, directing.
1: Uh, for uh, she was nominated three times for Best Original Screenplay. She was a writer of renown. She wrote uh, and was involved in the writing of the movies Siltwood, When Harry Met Sally, and Sleepless in Seattle. The last movie before she passed away was Julia, Julia, and Julia, in which uh, a woman tries to uh, make all of the uh, uh, the recipes in Julia, Julia Charles cook
0: Right. Uh, yeah, I, I was reading something about that the other day, and I can't remember who it was that started that movie. But uh,
1: I think Amy Adams started it,
0: Tom. But uh, oh, I, That's, that's why I was it. reading because I'm a big Amy. I'm a big Amy Adams fan. I saw her in Leap Year, and ever since then, I just thought she was really cool. So, so,
1: so am I, Tom. So am I. Uh, Tom, there's been even female Betty films that come along, and by Betty films, uh, an example of a Betty film might be uh, Bing Crosby and Bob Hope, Tom well, the modern version of that involving and and women, Tom and Louise with Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis, Tom, the league of their own about the uh, women's baseball league back in the 40s while the men were all fighting World War II. Tom, all I that movie was directed by Penny Marshall, one Laverne, of Laverne and Charlie, and the sister of, uh, of um, Gilly Marshall, Tom. Uh, I
0: right. say the movie and formally married to the guy who directed uh, when Harry met Sally.
1: Right, and he's also in the movie in Seattle, Rob Reiner, the son of Carl Reiner, and of course we could go on and on. The movie Clueless Time other actresses who have been important in terms of film for their contributions in front of the camera. Uh, one, Catherine Hepburn, has won four Oscars, Tom. I don't think anybody's won any more than she has. In fact, I'm pretty sure and that includes the men, Tom. She's won more than anybody else. Four of them. Two in the 30s and 40s and two in the, one in the 60s and one in the 80s, Tom. And Meryl Streep, Tom, one of the three Oscars, two Best Actress, one Best Supporting Actress. But Tom, she's uh, been nominated 21 times, more than anybody else. And she has uh, been nominated for 32 Golden Globe nominations, and she's won nine of them. So, Tom, that's just a look. It's barely scratching the surface of what women are doing historically to make contributions in motion picture and to establish that it's not an all-male industry.
0: And there uh, some would say, well, I was thinking when you talked about Meryl Streep that uh, just being nominated is is a, is a uh, thing in itself. So it's always nice to win, of course, but to be nominated, I was thinking, of, I can't remember her name now. Uh, uh, the the lady who was the soap opera queen of nominations, you know, who was nominated twenty eight times before she won one. Of course, Meryl Streep uh, has won, one a couple of Oscars, I think, and won one of them fairly early in, in her life. And so while well, I've got you here, Stephen, this was a very good report tonight, and uh, I think it points to uh, more inclusiveness in uh, the uh, the film industry and the people who are di- d- uh, directing the films. And I was trying to think of... Uh, uh, was, did you mention a uh, director, a woman named Gail Gatwick or something like that? Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Catherine right. Hardwood
0: was the one I mentioned. It, it may, it may be the one I was thinking about, but while I've got you here and we've got a couple more minutes, um, uh, we just had the golden globes handed out, uh, this past weekend. And of course the award ceremonies kind of got, uh, jiggled around a little bit because of the, uh, uh, pandemic and so on. And, uh, what is the situation vis-a-vis the, uh, the American Oscars now, those of us who are interested in them? Uh,
1: they're going to be given away about a month later than they were um, last, well, not actually, they gave them away last just before the pandemic uh, shut down everything. Uh, it's going to be a month later, and the uh, period of time in which a movie can be considered time has been extended uh, by at least a month, and I actually think about two months. So. January and February will provide a period of time in which movies may, may be considered. Uh, the types of movies that may be considered are ones that would have been uh, scheduled to appear in the brick-and-mortar theaters and may have also either solely been appearing on streaming services or in addition to going to the theaters to appear such as HBO Max appear simultaneously. So uh, the, the one that got the most the movie got nominations, Tom. That would likely be one in contention for an Oscar would be one called Mank, which was about, I think the name was Mankiewicz, I think it was Herman Mankiewicz, who wrote uh, the screenplay for Citizen Kane, among other things, Tom. And uh, that was, it received many Golden Globe Awards and is considered a favorite as we approach the Oscars.
0: Well, there's a movie with uh, Amy Adams and... Uh, uh... Well, uh, the movie about the the, the mountain, the, the hillbillies. Uh, uh, Hillbilly is... the
1: elegy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, uh, Glenn Close received Glenn Close. the nomination.
0: That's what I
1: was trying to think of. Yeah, Glenn Close received a nomination for best supporting actress uh, for that movie, but she did not did not prevail at the Golden Globe. The reason she mentioned the Golden Globes one is they were just two nights ago, and and the other reason is is that as longtime movie watchers know. The Golden Globe, People's Choice Awards, Stab Awards, Direction Awards are precursors to the Academy Awards and sometimes give
0: you an idea about what the Academy Awards might look like. Can we stop right here? I was was so interested in what you were saying, I wasn't watching the clock. We need to go, but we're going to have you back, I think, within the next couple of weeks to talk about women uh, and behind the scenes and so on in television. Thanks, Stephen, for being with us tonight. Stephen Kearney has been our guest. On the Tom Kearney Show tomorrow night, we're going to talk about coins and stamps.